0: Listener Support, WNYC Studios. When I did drag for the first time in the outdoors, I put on six inch high heel boots. I started strutting down the trails and I fell in love with nature in a whole new way. I saw how queer nature was, I saw how much science was out there. Hi,
1: welcome to Universe of Art, a podcast from Science Friday about stories from the art world that have a surprising connection to science. I'm Dee Peterschmidt, I'm a producer for Science Friday. If you don't know, Science Friday is a weekly show and website featuring entertaining and educational stories about science, technology, and other cool stuff hosted by award-winning science journalist Ira Flato. And on the show, we're bringing you some of our favorite art stories from Science Friday and some new ones too. And for our first episode, I have one of my favorite segments we've aired on sci fry about drag artists who use social media to teach STEM or science, technology, engineering, and mathematics to their audiences in a super fun, fabulous way. And before we get to that, I'm here with Sci-Fi producer Kathleen Davis and community manager Kyle Marin viterbo We're going to tell us how this segment came together. What's up?
2: Hey. Hi.
1: So... How did the story come up on y'all's radar?
2: Drag has been just an artistic medium that I've really loved and appreciated for a long time. And I think I was just like on Instagram one day and I came across Patty Gonia, who is one of the queens who is featured in this segment. She is all about environmentalism and bringing attention to climate change. And I was like, this is really incredible stuff.
3: For me, Kine was always on my For You page on TikTok. (laughs) And like she had just become this immense voice for mathematics. When the conversation aired, it was just so clear how Kine and Patagonia's joy resonated mm-hmm. with so many listeners like we had parents who yeah. were like you know i cannot wait to share this with my children
1: totally the web pages which you like put together is is really great for this there's this amazing audio collage of what these drag artists think about stem and mm-hmm. and like public education Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you'd usually hear from a, a drag performer
2: it surprised me a little bit how much of an overlap there was between kind of the mission of public radio And (laughs) the mission of these queens where... You know, as part of a public radio science show, we strive to bring information and education to people for free. Um, and that's really what these queens are doing, too. I mean, in Kine's case, she's like doing math equations and teaching people math um, for free on TikTok. Um, and as a somebody who was really bad at math as a kid, that would have been really mm-hmm. cool for me to have that as a resource when I was struggling with math. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that an Ira Flato and a 20-year-old drag queen would have a whole lot in common, but like they really do have a lot in common. And I think that comes across in the story.
1: There we go. OK, let's throw to this segment. Thank you both for putting this together.
2: Thanks, Dee. Thanks, Dee.
4: This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Plato. Who is your generation's favorite science popularizer? Was it Don Herbert, Mr. Wizard? Just sprinkle that over the camera. Well, Why don't you tell me what it is before <laughs> you do it? It's called lycopodium. Like lycopodium? Like lycopodium. Like so it'd be similar to a perhaps a lectern. <laughs> or the legendary Carl Sagan,
2: the Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena.
4: How about Bill Nye?
2: Bill Nye the science guy. Bill Nye.
4: Our modern age of social media has fostered a new look and new science messengers, STEM-focused drag queens. These are queer folk who mix the flashy fashions of the drag world with science education like Analytical, who does coding tutorials, and Dr. Sassy of Sassy Science, who champions diverse voices in STEM. There's a wild world of science-savvy, drag-draped communicators out there, and two prominent voices join me today. Kine, a mathematician based in Kitchener, Ontario, and Patagonia, environmental activist and educator based in Bend, Oregon. Both of you, welcome to Science Friday.
0: Thanks for having us.
5: Hi,
4: Ira. <laughs> nice to have you. Uh, Kain, let me start with with you. Drag is a very visual medium, which makes it a bit tricky for us on radio. But I want you both to describe for our audience how you mix science and drag. What does that look like visually for both of you? And as I say, Kain, you can begin.
5: Sure. So it's funny. I started out just as a, a drag queen, you know, like doing shows and lip syncing I had a YouTube channel where I was like showing people how to style wigs um and that was like all my side hobby right and my my main thing was I I was in school getting my math degree at the University of Waterloo and then when this pandemic started you know all of a sudden I had all this free time on my hands and I thought why don't I try something new so I I started uh, making these math videos on TikTok I didn't really think they would take off. I mean, everybody told me it was going to be like such a a tiny niche. I mean, math is already an unpopular subject, let alone math taught by crossdressers. So I was like, who's going to be into this? I thought it would just be funny. Um, I I would be like, I don't know, the troll from Dora the Explorer telling people little riddles and like these crazy costumes. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) But, you know, all of a sudden, after maybe like three, four videos, people were like, oh, my gosh. I'm really understanding math through you. Like I love learning math this way. So, you know, I just started out telling people what I found interesting about math because I think that the way math is taught makes people think it's so boring. And my whole thing is that math is interesting and fun and beautiful. So I think hearing that from just somebody on social media who doesn't look like a traditional teacher, it opens people's minds up to math.
4: It sounds like you were as surprised. By your own work as everybody else was how successful it was
5: yeah i've always been a big math nerd and i've always felt like more people should get into math but i didn't really know how i could sort of get the word out there i never once thought i'd be you know doing it in a wig
0: and a dress and high heels but it worked
4: (laughs) and and patty what about you how did you get into this
0: of I love your story so much. There's so many similar rungs to, to the tree of my life too. I, I started getting outdoors and backpacking as a kid and really was uh, trying to get into the outdoors in a in a time and place in, in Boy Scouts in Nebraska, in an environment that really wasn't supportive of me as a queer person. And so, so really when I did drag for the first time in the outdoors as an adult, about three years ago, I put on six inch high heel boots. I started strutting down the trails and in high heels and doing drag outdoors. And I fell in love with nature in a whole new way. I saw how queer nature was. I saw how much science was out there, how many queer scientists were out there. And I think that it's really beautiful to take the reality of climate change, but to really be mindful of the beauty of creative solutions and highlighting amazing scientific work that's being done out there, amazing research, amazing scientists that are just doing incredible things. So I think of myself as a climate communicator uh, I think of myself as trying to entertain and educate and it's it's so fun to get to take a lot of abstract subjects and bring them to people in new ways and creative ways to reach a whole new population of people too you know we, we need to think about who the narrator are between science subjects also who are the new communities to reach to bring into the climate movement to bring into uh, this amazing scientific knowledge that's that's out there.
4: How do you think that drag has helped you do that, reach these new communities?
0: That is a great question. I feel like I'm uh, learning more about that every single day. But I think that really, at the end of the day, drag is a playground where anything is possible. And drag is really a chance to, to engage people in new ways. It's so entertaining. But also, I think when people see drag, they see the drag queen that's inside of themselves and they see what's possible when we can bend gender and communicate in new ways and connect in different ways. Kind, do you also think that there's a drag queen inside of each of us
4: and you can tap into that?
5: I think so. You know, I think drag opens people's hearts. It makes people comfortable. It makes people just feel more, you know, outgoing and they want to have a laugh, you know. So to have drag queens be the educators and the influencers, it makes people more ready to, you know, maybe take a pill they wouldn't have wanted to swallow yesterday. You know,
4: I watched your math TikTok pieces and thoroughly enjoyed your math teaching skills, because although you are singing and you're changing outfits, <laughs> I, I can see that you take these math lessons very seriously.
5: Oh, I do. I do. Math is, it's always been my favorite subject, and it's its always been my passion. So looking good is important, but also teaching the math is is very important to me.
4: Let me address this to both of you. Do you think that you would See it as a supreme triumph of teachers assigned your lessons to their classroom students?
0: Uh, that would be a dream. Uh. <laughs> be amazing. It it's so awesome too to get to do what we do on the internet, I feel like, and be able to take that into uh, real life and into science classrooms. It's been amazing to be a guest speaker inside science classrooms and to see kids' faces light up with someone that maybe represents them that they've never seen before in media that they've never seen as a science communicator. So that's been one of the most special parts of the journey for me. Agreed.
4: Really interesting. Patty, you recently launched a nonprofit, I understand, called The Outdoorist Oath. Tell me about the mission behind this project.
0: Yeah, we uh, we believe that we need to uh, stop the siloed conversations of planet inclusion and adventure and really start getting people into the outdoors in many different ways outside of the definition of quote unquote outdoorsy that we've known and really embrace the outdoors because if we can fall in love with the planet, then we can better fight for it, right? Because we fight for what we love. So we want everyone to get outside, connect to the planet connect to themselves, connect to people that aren't necessarily like themselves or look like themselves, and then intersectionally fight for planet Earth, because this is the only planet with a Beyonce on.
1: (laughs) That's Science Friday host Ira Fleto talking with drag artists Patagonia and Kyn
4: Santos. We'll be right back. Whom do you imagine? Whom do you imagine is your audience? Do you define it in a certain way? Do you Aim it at a certain audience because that's a question most communicators get. Who who are you trying to reach?
5: Can
0: you want to go for it? I'd be curious to hear from you. It's
5: funny when I you know write my little TikToks. My goal is to reach people around high school age, college age. I don't find that I'm that good at teaching like very very young kids about math, high school level, college levels around the level that I find. Um, interesting for me to talk about personally. But the people that comment on my videos are all kinds of ages. I get teachers who are showing my lessons to um, classrooms of grade four students. I get people who are long out of school and their 30s, 40s, 50s saying that I've, you know, reignited a love for math. So I guess my videos are are for everyone. But when it comes to, I guess, the curriculum, I guess they're they're targeted around a high
0: school, college level.
4: Patty, any comment?
0: Yeah, I definitely think that um, when I think about my audience, I definitely think about a younger version of me, uh, someone who watched a lot of science communication as a kid and didn't see anyone like me. I think a lot about queer youth and about different ways to reach them, especially around environmental messages. But I also think a lot about allies. I think that um, oftentimes we forget the power of allyship and and allies in, in the fight for climate or in the fight for social justice or in the fight for just... A more inclusive outdoors. So I definitely try to be as inclusive as possible and trying to speak to as many people as possible while also still remembering that I'm kind of speaking to a younger me.
4: Yeah, because you're both very active on social media, which I think skews your audience to uh, younger folks. Don't you agree?
0: I think you'd be amazed. I have a lot of 50, 60, 70 year old people who follow me when I do group hikes and take the community offline in real life. I have people of all different ages. I have people bring their grandparents out and their grandparents are bigger fans than even they are. It is <laughs> surreal and so beautiful.
4: That is surprising. If the medium is the message, as they used to say, what message do you offer that you think is different than, let's say, Bill Nye or David Attenborough?
5: In terms of what I have in common with them, you know, I'm, I'm trying to show that math and I guess STEM in general is wonderful and i'm trying to instill a love for learning in people but i think being a you know asian queer drag queen i want to show people that you know you can be feminine and still have a career in stem and in math you don't have to hide your gayness you don't have to hide your queerness you can look however you want to look and wear what you want to wear And when it all comes down to it, what really matters is what's in your brain. And if you work
0: hard and you study, then you can achieve what you want. And you, Patty? Yeah, so much of what Kine said really resonates with me. I feel like at the end of the day, I just want everyone to know that they can pursue whatever subject that they want, especially sciences, especially if they are queer, especially if they have a unique identity that they want to intersect with their passions, because that's the most beautiful action we can all take. I mean, when I look at my work, when I look at Kine's work, when I look at your work, Ira, I think that we're all using our talents and skills and applying them to things we love and work we think needs to be done. And I want a future where we're all doing more of that because I think we need it.
4: Yeah. I, yeah. I like the idea that that we we are all trying to find new ways to be communicators. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not af- not afraid to try new things.
0: Yeah, we have to try new things. I mean, like, let's look at like queerness in species. Uh, Queerness is a pioneering trait in in species where we're figuring out new ways to do things, new ways to not only survive, but thrive. And I think nature teaches us every single day that diversity in any environment is key for an environment to thrive. And I think that we really need to apply that to STEM. We really need to apply that to the sciences field because I think that through our diversity and who we are um, and our identities, we're going to. We're going to be such a beautiful future that really supports an ecosystem, especially of youth um, that are different than ourselves, to to join us.
4: It is certainly true that nature really likes diversity and you can't have uh, nature without a lot of diversity there. Uh, was, was there a science
0: communicator who inspired you, uh, Patty, when you were growing up? It's hard to not think of my childhood without thinking about the TVs that we rolled into classrooms, into the science classrooms, and and see Bill Nye on the screen. And I think I just really fell in love with how such an abstract subject of science or um or or math, for example, could be so beautifully entertaining as well. Um, and I think a lot of that's influenced the work that I do nowadays. And I think. When I'm when I'm even thinking about the work I do now, there's amazing science communicators like Hood Naturalist, who's an amazing Black fem uh, scientist who's a who's a birder who is teaching incredible things. So I think that I'm really glad that uh, it's being diversified in so many different ways nowadays too.
4: Kind you too? Do you have someone who you who influenced you?
5: I would say Carl Sagan um, was a big influence for me. I think watching old episodes of Cosmos. Just the way that he talked about the planet and talked about the universe was the first time that I really started to see science as beautiful, which I never would have described before, because, you know, the way we learn it in school is just about memorizing facts. And I think Carl Sagan was the first to really make me think, I'm so thankful to be on this planet and to be able to look up to the sky and to be able to wonder why things are the way they are, you know, it's about that curiosity and that enthusiasm for learning that I really loved um, about his communication.
4: One of the things that we have today that, you know, Carl Sagan didn't have back in his days is social media. And of course, social media is, is free, right? You don't have to get a subscription to your cable box. Uh, does accessibility play a role in, in what, you, what you do, Patty? What do you think?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are so many barriers for entry to the outdoors. You have to have thousands of dollars of gear. There are so many barriers of entry to academia and being able to read through thousands of pages of paper, probably maybe not even in your first language. There are so many barriers to not feeling safe as a queer person in different labs and in different environments. So I really feel like social media is an amazing place that removes barriers and improves access to reach new people in new ways. And I think, you know, social media gets crapped on a lot, that it is seen as just like a less than tool or can be cheap or like uh, low quality or kind of bad for us. And I say social media is a tool. I think it depends how we use it, right? We can use a tool for good. We can use a tool to build. We can use a tool to harm. And so I'm really trying to think about how can we use social media as a tool in science to share information, to build community, um, to build authentic community that really removes barriers and improves access.
4: Last question for both of you. What do you see as the future of science communication? And by that, I mean, do you see more room for creative personalities like yourselves?
5: I think the future of science communication is social media. I think with social media, you don't have the same gatekeepers as you have in traditional media. You know, neither I nor Patty had to get a show greenlit by some... You know, office of executives. We just went on social media and started doing our thing, and I think because of that freedom, that's you know opened the door to all kinds of different creative personalities. So, you know, I'm I'm so excited to see who will be the next communicators in our field.
4: Patty, do you think that uh, that that drag science is a flash in the pan?
0: Oh no way! Or is it going <laughs> to be around forever? It's going to be around for forever, at least as long as I'm on planet Earth, long, as long as kinds on planet Earth and. Also, like the kids these days, I just cannot get enough of youth and where they are taking the field of science and how they are studying at Yale or Harvard and doing these incredible media projects to really think about how are we translating what we are learning here, what we're studying here to people and removing barriers and, and avoiding gatekeepers. Um, so when I think about the future of science, I think it looks queer as hell. I think it looks full of BIPOC people. I think it looks full of people who are passionate um, about just sticking their talent and their special skills and their identities and applying it to the field of science and and hopefully making a future where all of us feel more welcome and where we can really truly be grounded in. The one thing that unites us all is this planet, and it's it's time to fight for her.
4: Can't say anything better than that for an ending. We have unfortunately run out of time. I want to thank both of you for for taking time to be with us today and really love what you are doing. Kind mathematician, drag queen based in Kitchener, Ontario, Patagonia, environmental activist and educator based in Bend, Oregon.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much, Ira.
4: If you want to know more and see photos of the folks in the STEM drag community, you can head to our website, sciencefriday.com slash STEM drag. Hey, D here. I'm back. One more thing before we go, one of my
1: favorite things about Science Friday is that we don't only produce a radio show. We also have these super fun events that our Experiences Manager, Diana Plasker, puts on. And she's actually here now to tell us about the latest one that you can participate in. What's happening, Diana?
3: Hey, Dee. A lot is new, actually. Uh, This April, the Science Friday Book Club, which is completely free to join, by the way, uh, we're reading Dan Egan's new book called The Devil's Element, Phosphorus and a World Out of Balance.
1: Nice. Okay, so why uh what stood out to you about this book that made you want to have it for April book club?
3: You know, I didn't really know much about phosphorus before this book. It there's so much of it around the world. It's really hard to mine and when we do, there's a lot of unintended consequences, but we've learned a lot about, you know, how it affects the world and how to do things better and this that's what Dan Egan is really investigating in this book. It's really well written it is investigative journalism and he just leads you down some really really great paths and so i think anyone will enjoy reading this one even if you don't read very many science books in your everyday life
1: all right so i you know i usually read alone at home uh, but you have a whole event planned out for this right (laughs)
3: Yes, you totally can read the book by yourself, but it is more fun to read with other people, I think. So we're going to have an in-person conversation with Dan Egan himself, actually, on April 27th at Volumes Book Cafe in Chicago. And the best part is we've set it up so that if you don't live in Chicago or you can't come to the book cafe, no problem. We are actually live streaming the event for everyone. You can find tickets and everything you need to know about this book club season on our website, sciencefriday.com slash book club.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Diana. Really looking forward to reading this.
3: Yeah, I'll see you there, Dee.
1: Universe of Art is hosted and produced by me, Dee Peterschmidt with production assistance from Charles Berquist and John Dankowski, and I also wrote the theme music. The segment you just heard was originally produced by Kathleen Davis and Kyle Marion Viterbo with Ira Flato hosting. Our show art is illustrated by Abel Hayford. And support for Science Friday's science and arts coverage comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. We'll be back in two weeks with a story on the wild and wonderful world
4: of invertebrate butts. See ya!